Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast today. We're going to continue on in our study of Acts chapter 17. And if you'll remember where we left off the other day, Paul had made it to Athens. He had left uh, Silas and Timothy behind in Berea where the people were more uh, fair-minded, the Bible says about the Bereans, and they searched the scriptures daily. And we brought a lot away from that because we should be those people that search the scriptures daily. You know, we eat several times a day. I'd like to say I only eat three times a day, but that wouldn't be true. Uh, If we would condition ourselves to eat from the Word of God, the bread of life, to drink deeply from living water every day, even just for a moment or two, just for a little bit of time. I'm not talking about uh, yoking ourselves up to some religious exercise to try to appease God. I'm talking about spending time in God's Word so that we can grow and flourish and benefit greatly in all aspects of life. And so that's what the Bereans did that certainly impressed Paul. Then he left there uh, after some uh, uh, altercation, you might say, as normal for him. Then he went down to Athens, saw that the place was completely given over to idolatry. We talked about that at great length. And then he recognized an idol and an altar set up to the unknown God. And so it was there that he stepped into the platform on Mars Hill where he began to share uh, the truth about this unknown God to them, but very known to himself. And let's pick it up now in verse 24 of Acts 17. It says, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. See, whenever you engage a religious culture, and, and I don't mean just a, a, a region like Athens was, but a, a, a personal culture. Sometimes we have a religious culture in our own hearts and minds and lives. And what we then assume is that we build this cacophony of works and um, obligation and intention, of course, because a religious person has great intention. Uh, but they always fall short, and then that's they're always down on themselves, therefore they're always down on everybody else. Um, but he's uh, first thing he does is attack this whole notion that you can build something that would impress God. And, uh, and then he goes on to say in verse 25, Nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. We worship God with our hands, but... Um, It's only in response to the life he gives. It is not in order to gain those things as if God uh, needed those. He desires our worship as his children, as his, he desires relationship, we could say. But uh, but it's not that he needs the works of our hands uh, uh, in and of itself. Verse 26, and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the earth of the uh, on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings in other words we are all where we are because of God's design and nothing is by chance with him and so that they should seek the lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us for in him we live and move and have our being as also some of your own poets have said quote for we are also his offspring therefore since we are uh, the offspring of god we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone something shaped 
by art and man's devising. Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. I want to talk about this for a moment because he's he's shaping this position that he's that he's establishing um, to to point out to them that that it is not in their own art, their own sculpture, their own expression that God has found so much as wanting to engage the heart of man. And I know we have spent over the years some time over in Sedona, Arizona. And there's other places you can go that are sort of given to the arts and things like that. And it is all very new agey. It's all very, um, uh, you know, spiritual and, and all these things. It's not godly uh, necessarily. There are some Christian artists over there, of course. But there's like this worship of the process. And uh, you'll go out into the hills there and... Uh, um, you know, hike or whatever, and you'll see people out there meditating and things like that. So uh, these people sort of have their focus improperly placed on the wrong thing, and it is in exactly this type of approach that that um, Paul is addressing here. And then he gets to something very important that I want to spend a minute on here. He said that now God has overlooked that ignorance in the past, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. And what you could do is you could read that and get con- confused about what that means. The, uh, the word there in the Greek for repent is metanio, metanio, and this is exactly what it means. It means to change one's mind for the better, to change one's mind, i.e. to repent. Uh, the definition of that word says. So understand this, that when we read that in the Bible and we say that God commands men everywhere to repent, um, we immediately flash back to some Sunday school class somewhere where we think we've got to go back and, and regurgitate every problem, every mistake, every sin. We've got to go back and, and sort of apologize to God for everything we've done. And we've got to remember all of it too because basically if you leave one out, then it's it goes unforgiven because you can't be forgiven without repentance. That's what people will tell you. However, to repent simply means to change one's mind. There can be no forgiveness without changing one's mind because until we change our mind about how God views us, we can't receive forgiveness. That's what it means. It's amazing that what Paul is saying here is you just need to change the way you think about all these other gods and idols and works of art that you have here and change the way you think about this unknown quote-unquote God that you have and see that he is the God of creation. He is the God of love. He is the God that has laid out a plan for your own life. So when we start thinking about repentance, it's the same thing. We need to repent in order to live uh, in conjunction with the plan of God for our life, but that doesn't mean that we walk around constantly aware of our mistakes. To repent means that we are constantly aware of God's love for us and his plan for us, and we are in agreement with that. That is to change one's mind for the better. And then he goes on in verse 31, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. Notice he's not judging in anger. He's judging the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance to this to all by raising him from the dead. So now God is wanting you and I to be assured, just like he wanted the Corinthians here in Athens. He wanted them to be assured of God's love through the very act of God raising Jesus from the dead. 
And when they heard the resur- of the resurrection of the dead, verse 32 now, some mocked, while others said, we will hear you again on this matter. Remember, these people in Athens, they were thirsty for new ideas and new thoughts and just new doctrine. And so some wanted to hear it again. Some mocked, of course. Even today, uh, you'll find that people mock uh, uh, God when you start talking about the resurrection of the dead. And, uh, and then Paul departed from them. And verse 34, we'll finish the chapter with this verse. However, some men joined him and believed. Among them, uh, Dionysius the uh, Areopagite, a woman named uh, Damaris, and others with them. So some notable people here in Athens believed, and then they began to travel with him. So notice that this is how it always worked. He would always go to the synagogue. He would also always lay down this very provocative uh, um, theology. Some people would mock, some would be intrigued, and then others would believe. And it's, it's uh, not a lot different than what we face today, is it, in our own culture. So at any rate, friend, as we go, remember this, that we can repent today. And that doesn't mean, again, like we've taught, been taught in our religious backgrounds, perhaps, that to repent means to, to you know, apologize for all your sins, to bring them before the Lord, to confess. That uh, Repent does not mean confess. It means to change one's mind. And I think that's the issue there, that we have associated repent with confess. And that's not what it means, even though confession is good, but confession unto righteousness. In other words, speaking God's word over our life is to repent. And I think if we would do that today in our own lives, it would radically change the way we see our world and the God of our life in our world. Amen. So God bless you guys. Thanks for your time today. We'll pick it up Monday. I'll see you sometime this weekend, hopefully at one of our five weekend services. God bless you. Have a great day.